Welcome to Game Notes, your Utah Jazz podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. That's Tony Jones. You can catch all of his great coverage of Utah Jazz on theathletic.com slash game notes. Get yourself a get yourself a deal. I believe it's a 30-day trial right now. If you go to that link and you uh, subscribe to the old Athletic, you get to check out all of Tony's excellent reporting and stories on the Jazz. And you get to read uh, whatever I write. You get to read Sam Amick, David Aldridge. You get to read baseball, football, college, hockey, whatever you want. We got soccer stuff or football, as you may want to call it. Whatever you want to listen to, we've got you covered at The Athletic. So go there, subscribe. You get to click uh, follow on this podcast. You get notifications when new ones drop. You get to comment on this podcast. You get to comment about today's subject, which Tony, Donovan Mitchell, talked to you and some other reporters on a Zoom call, but he talked to you. What did Donovan Mitchell have to say about his relationship with Rudy Gobert, which has been struggling since since right before the shutdown? Obviously, he may have given Donovan coronavirus, which then caused another rift, and you've reported on it, and people have debated whether it's real or not, whether it matters or not. So what did Donovan have to say? Donovan said that him and Rudy are good. And they're ready to hoop. Okay. Okay, I'm going to read you the quote. All right, read me the quote. I really wish that us going forward, the primary focus will be us gelling as a team. Mm. Because obviously Rudy and I had COVID and whatever happened, happened. But now we're ready to hoop. We're ready to focus on our team as a whole. And we're not trying to take away attention from what everybody has got going on. So what are your thoughts on that? All right, I'm not trying to like stir the pot for once, right? This is my honest, just like how I take that is that you know this, and everyone who goes to work uh, knows this. There are some people that you work with, and there are some people that you love that you work with. And then there are some people that you work with? <laughs> that you cannot stand. <laughs> it sounds like Rudy is someone that Donovan works with, right? I don't think they have to yes. be best friends. It's rare that everyone on an NBA team likes each other. I think that's the thing we're always talking about. Oh, great team chemistry. They must love each other and go out to dinner all the time. It's like, eh, maybe. But that's not like all 15 or, you know, 10 toes down for each other and ready to do whatever. It's like, yeah, you like some guys. It's very clicky. It's less clicky than other sports. It's less clicky than baseball. It's less clicky than NFL for sure in a locker room. But yeah, it's still clicky. Like, that's how work environments go. And it sounds like Donovan's like, yeah, we're good. Let's go play. We want to go hoop. We don't want to distract from everyone else, which I think is a very professional, mature way of going about. Okay, so... I have some thoughts. My prevailing thought, and obviously you don't want to put Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert on the same level as Shaq and Kobe or Shaq and Dwayne Wade or Shaq and Penny. And Donovan said as much. However, those are examples of what we're dealing with here, right? Shaq and Kobe eventually had an expiration and they had a messy breakup. Shaq and Penny had a less messy breakup, but it was messy regardless. What we have right now We have Donovan Mitchell coming up for a max contract extension that he likely signs at the end of the summer. But we also have Rudy Gobert, who is a year away from unrestricted free agency. Right. So in that sense, I think these next eight games in the Orlando bubble, plus whatever playoff that the Jazz have, they're guaranteed four more games. So they're guaranteed 12 games. So these next 12 guaranteed games, for me, I think it's going to dictate a lot where that relationship goes, where it goes in reference to where the franchise goes and just how the franchise deals with Rudy and Donovan going forward. In a perfect world, obviously the Jazz don't want to trade Rudy and they want to keep Donovan. They want to keep those guys together. And rightfully so. Donovan Mitchell's 23 years old. He's coming up on his 24th birthday in a couple of months. 
Rudy Gobert just turned 28. So you have one guy that's that's not in his prime, that's that's a couple years away from his prime, and you have one guy that's in the prime of his career. So you want to keep building around those guys. I think this Orlando restart is going to be really important for how a lot of this stuff goes. Yeah, I think that's a super interesting point because we talked last week of, you know, let's say the let's say the Jazz just get destroyed in this first round, right? Like let, say they go get the Rockets or the Thunder, whoever, it doesn't matter. Let's say they get swept. And we talked about whether or not the you know the front office may overreact to that, but that's not necessarily the big worry. It might be do either Rudy or Donovan or both react to that, right? Because as much as the front office can control what they can control and they can decide whether or not they need to shake things up or not, if these guys don't like what happens in this bubble and these guys don't like what happens on the court in this restart, no matter how unprecedented the circumstances are and how you know how you tend to look at that as a fan or a media member or whatever if they don't like the way it looks and they don't like the way it feels that could dictate a lot so it may not matter if the front office overreacts it may not you know it may not matter if if you know the fans overreact and decide hey these guys can't play together they can play together they're fine um if donovan decides i don't like this like i didn't like the i didn't like that you know, the taste of my mouth with that. It doesn't mean he's going to leave next summer or leave in the year after or anything like that. It doesn't mean that. It just means that players, and especially star players, they use their agents to to get stuff moving, right? They get they use their they use their agents to get get guys like, you know, oh, I want to go play with that guy. So either get me on that team, find me a team with him, or bring him here. Right? And if that starts, you know, if they have a bad a bad Orlando and these guys start kind of, you know, wondering um, whether or not this is the right fit for them. That could cause a chain reaction. This is where the kind of contract that Donovan signs, that's going to be big, right? Yes. Like, he's going to sign a max contract uh, with the Utah Jazz at the end of the summer. Um, that's a no-brainer. But is it going to be three plus one? Is it going to be the Gordon Hayward special? Or is it going to be a full five? Or is it going to be four? And I think the length of the contract, that tells you a lot. You know, if it's a three plus one, then guess what? Jazz got some work to do. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this we've seen this recently. And granted, it might be a special case, Tony, but like Paul George signed a four-year deal. And after one was like, yo, get me out. I want to go yeah. or after two, I guess, essentially. Right. It's two, two years in, in OKC. was like, hey, I want to go play with Kawhi. You know, just because he signs a long-term deal... Doesn't and it doesn't mean he's gonna leave, but some guys will be like, "Oh, I can get my money, and then my agent can get me out of here if I need to." Right. So f- right. Famously, and granted, a much different player, much different situation. Famously, Stephen Jackson signed a contract extension with Charlotte and said, "Get me out of here <laughs> immediately." Right. Got his money, then said, "I want out." Like that stuff can happen. <laughs> um, I don't think Donovan's gonna do any of that. But you're right. Like the deal that he signs next, and he will re-sign with the Jet. Like, guy, it's very, very rare that a guy gets out of there after the rookie deal on his own volition, right? Like, that just doesn't really happen. Um, you can count on, you know, on one hand how many times a meaningful rookie deal guy ends up doing that. And maybe the last one to do it, Tony, was like Greg Monroe, right? Like, I think Greg Monroe took the qualifying off and then got out of there. Like, I, it doesn't really happen. And so well, I don't think Porzingis. Yeah, but he kind of got himself traded, right? Right. Like, he just, he kind of tricked the Knicks into trading him. I'm just trying to figure out how, I mean, this never happens, right? And how did this happen to my New York Knicks? (laughs) 
Here's the thing, Tony. I'm not even sure it's one of the ten worst things to happen to Knicks in the James Dolan era. Like, how do you fumble about? I mean, don't get me on a tan. I, I listen. I'm just gonna go on this tangent. Okay, it is extraordinarily difficult for a guy to be able to force his way out of an organization after his rookie deal. Extraordinarily difficult. Like you'd have to take the qualifying offer, turn down the extension, take the qualifying offer, and there's so much risk involved. And the Knicks managed to do that with Porzingis and trade him for Dennis Smith. I'm sorry. Well, they passed on Dennis Smith Jr., you know, a couple years before, and now they get to not play him. <laughs> now they get to do that in this Delete 8 bubble in Chicago. Why would he play? <laughs> Terrible idea, by the way. Don't Terrible idea. Um, no, but I do think, like, there's no danger of losing Donovan now, right? right. And, it, and there might not be danger in the next 10 years. Like, we don't – like. He seems to like it there. He seems to like the organization. Sometimes that's all that matters, right? Um, it's just a matter of what this team looks like moving forward because Rudy Gobert is an excellent, excellent player in this league, and he is a very important player in this league. But if if Donovan decides, I don't want this dude based on whatever reason, then the Jazz will probably find a way to make this a better situation to make Donovan more comfortable. Or everything goes great. And they're together for the next 10 years, right? Right. Or it doesn't even have to go great. It just has to not be a disaster, and they still may decide to be together for the next 10 years. It can go great on the floor. Like, those yeah. guys don't have to be best friends off the floor. No. And it's clear that they're not best friends. I think there's blame to go around. Like, I think Donovan could have put the kibosh on this entire thing with that Good Morning America interview. He could have said, look, I was upset. You know, I got the coronavirus. You know, that's a threat to my health. Overall, I was upset at Rudy, but guess what? We're going to get through it. We're going to get good. If he had said that, a lot of what happened subsequently probably would not have happened, right? And Rudy, Rudy stopped playing defense for three weeks. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Like, we talked, like, before. He was actively just letting guys get shots. Actively. It was so obvious yeah. that before we even knew definitively that there was an issue between Donovan and Rudy, we were on podcasts in January and February, and we're like, yeah, Rudy's not playing defense, Zach. Yeah, yeah Tony, Rudy's not playing defense. <laughs> <laughs> he, made the, he made the Suns look like the Kevin Durant Warriors one night. Like, it was... <laughs> I mean, it was just, like, it was so obvious. Yeah. And you can't do that. To me, you know, both guys, in some ways, are complicit, and both guys, in some ways, could have handled this better, right? So yeah. if both of these guys come back, and they make a commitment to be as good as they can be together on the floor as the face of the Utah Jazz franchise, who gives a rip what their relationship is together off the floor? Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter if they like each other. It just matters do they feel like they can be successful together. Right. That's all that matters. Um, what else came out of the Donovan Mitchell Zoom meeting? Well, I think that the more salient points that he made was that he was concerned with just the injury threat. Right. Like, you know, that's the biggest concern, you know, and this is what he said. Biggest concern for me is the injury aspect. You go from sitting down to basically five on five in three weeks. And there's a big difference between working out and five on five basketball. There are obviously contractual implications. Uh, I've addressed that with my teammates and my coaches. But yes, that is my big concern. So what is your thought with that quote? I mean, he should be concerned. This is a dude that's got should he? potentially 150 to 200 million dollars coming his way in the next contract, right? If he turns into Cor Curtis Borchardt, 
and loses a left foot, he's going to get 154 years and $150 million for the Jazz. Yeah, but there's a difference between getting that. Look, he's got a lot of money. And in by the, the way, future, right? shout out to shout out to, Blick, to to Coach Red for for tweeting that to me. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to give give sure. credit out, sure. give credit for to that one. He, look, he's he's probably going to make his money regardless. But we're talking, like we're talking the threat of losing generational wealth, no matter yes. how big that threat actually is. And, by the way, it's possible. Like, what if he just doesn't want to get hurt? Let's forget the money aspect of it, right? What if he feels like, this is dangerous for my body. I know what my body needs to be at peak physical condition. And I don't think that I'm going to be able to get there in time for this in playoff intense basketball. Based on, like, you can be as in shape as you want to be for a regular person with these workouts and what's available at home for him, right? But now you're going back. You're getting a crash course training camp. You're getting a couple of inter-squad games, and then you're going into this eight-game you know, season before you get to the playoffs. Like, If he doesn't feel that that's enough time to ensure that his body is safe, who are we to tell him that's that's wrong? That's the problem I have. Like, so, oh, he's being a baby. Nah, oh, people, that part, athletes are being listen, a baby. I agree with that 1,000%. Yeah. And, and you're 1,000% you're correct. And and I think shout out to Sarah Todd, who's the the wonderful Utah Jazz beat writer for the for the Deseret News, and who's also my competition and also my friend. She made good points as well, which is, you know, there are clauses, you know, there are incentives that might be in a contract or a guy with an ACL that wouldn't be in a contract for a guy that's completely healthy. Absolutely, correct? absolutely. And you know what, Tony? On top of that, just to cut you off real quick, on top of that. People are going to say, well, he's already made a lot of money. Oh, he makes so much money playing a game. You know what? If you're mad about his money, if you're mad about that potential or that disparity, you should have worked on your jumper. Like, I just don't. I have so many problems with people complaining about athletes making money. To, and I say and, that to people all the time. Yeah. Like, just being the 1% of what you do in the entire world. And you, too, can make that kind of money. Exactly. Like, he he's earned it, right? If that's what the market says, he's earned it. And, yes, just because he's already made a ton of money in this league as a rookie on his rookie deal doesn't mean he shouldn't want to make more, doesn't mean he shouldn't want to be uh, healthy, and doesn't mean he shouldn't want to be able to maximize his earning potential for generations of his family generations imagine being able to set that up and whether the, like whether you're mad at his money i get it we're in a global pandemic the economy is crap people won't even wear masks like i get all the issues to where you may not give a damn about donovan mitchell and his earning potential but he does just like you care about yours just because they're different jobs and different pay scales doesn't mean he's not allowed to worry about that stuff if that's on his mind like we got to start treating athletes like people it's just mm -hmm. asinine to think that they don't get to worry about the same stuff that we worry about because they're successful and because they have that kind of insane money. Like, I'm just sick yeah. of that stuff, man. That's the thing. I mean, listen, both of us play basketball and both of us are pretty good at it, okay? Neither one of us were anywhere near NBA players and no. we were pretty good. Yeah, we're pretty good. We're not, not even and close to that. It just shows you how good you have to be to be an NBA player. I mean, I've played against guys a lot of guys that play overseas and those yeah. guys are insanely good. Those guys could walk into any run in America, any program in America, drop 40. And those guys aren't in the NBA. Yeah. Like to be in the league, you have to be a one percenter. Okay. You know, one percenters deserve every penny, every dime that's coming to them. Yeah. And I get it. Like I wish doctors and nurses and 
teachers. I wish they all made that kind of money. I wish, but that's not how our things set up. So we got to stop complaining about that unless we're going to exactly. change it. Bobby Axelrod is a one percenter. Yeah. He deserves that $12 billion. Yeah. That's how it is. <laughs> Did I just use a fictional I think so. analogy? I think so. But okay. it works. I just wanted to make sure. It works, though. Bobby Axelrod is a one percenter. You know, it, it's something that, you know, that's always driven me crazy as well. Yeah. I mean, and so I'm just, I'm okay. Like, again, I'm just okay with the idea that if Donovan Mitchell wants to worry about his health, no matter how much money he gets, He's allowed to worry about that. If he wants to worry about being in peak performance condition because of just because he wants to be, he gets to worry about that. So I don't have any problems with him having reservations. Tony, I wouldn't have a problem if he came out and said, look, I think there's a lot on the line. I'm not comfortable with this restart. I'm not going to play in Orlando. If he came out and said that, people would lose their minds, right? But I think he's well within his right for that as well. Yeah, I think so. The one thing I would say, I mean, he, he's in such a good position with the organization that he plays, and, and he's in a unique spot. There are a few people who, you know, if they get injured, and God forbid, they tear, tear something, you know, they're still getting their money. And that's what Donovan has put himself in position to do. So yeah. take solace in that. Take out, you know, injury protection with your insurance company and go play. That's the thing. God forbid you can get hurt doing anything. Yeah. You know, if if Donovan didn't go to the bubble, it's not like he would not play basketball. He'd go somewhere and play pickup ball. Right. These dudes are playing ball right now. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so I think I mean, it's safe, it, but they're playing ball right now. Like that's that's yeah. what's going on. Tony, was there anything else noteworthy from from Donovan in this Zoom meeting before we get to the real thing I want to talk about. Well, the real thing you want to talk about is what I want to talk about. But um, <laughs> Donovan talked about social issues and what he wasn't happy with. And yeah, those were, were good points. George Niang had this to say about Donovan Mitchell and, and Jordan Clarkson. He said, Donovan, JC, they've both done a great job of voicing their feelings about these things, letting it know how it affects them. They're not going to stop fighting the good fight until there's equality. They will continue to fight the good fight uh, with doing the right things and making sure that at the end of the day, we see equality. What do you think about George Yang's quote? I think we run into this with our our friends, our teammates, our colleagues and stuff too, right? Is that like, you know what people are doing behind the scenes. We don't have to get into it or whatever, but like two weeks ago or so, someone accused my girlfriend of like not being enough of an advocate for the Black Lives Matter movement. She's Mexican-American. And it was because they simply saw one thing, decided it wasn't enough, and they went after her for it, right? And myself and other people defended her going, yo, she's been posting about this stuff. She's been emailing. She's been donating. Like, we knew everything she's been doing since the the protests over George Floyd's murder had become, you know, had really started, right? And she's been very active. And she's, she's a great advocate. And, you know, she's... She's doing she's doing her part and then some. And it's easy for us to say that because we know, like, her friends, me, like, we know what she's done. So, we like, we can we can carry that, you know, that water for her in, in that argument. Um, these guys know what their teammates are doing and know and talk to their teammates about it and know what's in their heart. Like, I love hearing that stuff where, like, yo, these guys are these guys are doing it, right? These guys are doing what's right. These guys are leading because we tend to just look at this stuff and like if we don't see it in front of a camera if we don't see Jalen and this isn't any knock on these guys but we don't see if we don't see Jalen Brown driving down to Atlanta and getting it talked about right then then we don't we don't know that it's happening 
if we don't see the Hawks have turned their arena into a polling place, which, by the way, every single NBA team should have to do. They should right. absolutely do that. If we don't see that happening, then we don't know that would, about that was, it. That would go so far to stop voter suppression. Absolutely. Absolutely. For, and, and not just NBA teams. NFL teams, baseball teams. Like, you have these places that are designed to you know, hold seventeen to 100,000 people, depending on the stadium. Like, that's a, like what better place than this? To, to hold these polling places. And so when you like when you're doing the right thing and you're being an advocate and you're being a, a leader, being an ally, whatever, whatever you're doing in this stuff with the social the social issues going on in this country and trying to enact change, like just because it's not in front of the cameras doesn't mean it's not happening. And I love I love teammates, I love friends, I love family members, anyone coming out and saying, you know, because I w- it would be weird for Donovan Mitchell to come out and brag about that stuff, right? It'd be weird for, or even just talk about it. it forget bragging. Like, it'd be weird for Jordan Clarkson to come out and brag or talk about this stuff. For someone else to come out and say, like, yo, this guy's been doing this. I just think, like, that's the right frame of mind to have. Like, you do your stuff and you let other people talk about it if that's w- what it's going to be. Yeah, big facts. And, and you know, and, and I think, you know, with Donovan, with, with George, with Rudy, with, with Jordan Clarkson, you know, all of that stuff has been from their heart. It's come from a good place internally, uh, I should say. And, you know, I think that, you know, those guys, they want to enact change. And and I think the, the majority of the NBA, they want to enact change. They want to do what they can for there to be change around America. And, and right now, I mean, America has to do almost a, a complete 180 from the direction that it's been going the last four years. So, you know, I think um, one of the big things that came out of Donovan and George talking to us, I mean, that it's important to them, just as it is important to the rest of the league, the rest of the players in the league, that the conversation continues in Orlando and it continues on a significant scale. You know, Donovan has said that the league is working on a lot of things that he can't talk about yet, but that'll come to light in the coming days. And I think that that's stuff that is good for for the league and, and it's good for the players. Absolutely. Um, we're going to talk about something a lot less serious now to, to close out this show. Uh, I tweeted this a couple nights ago, Tony, after seeing just a couple of weird, th- just some weird stuff on Instagram. <laughs> I tweeted, one of my favorite parts of basketball trainer IG culture is them giving their own terms to basic ass moves. Watch him activate his act, his attack foot on a push dribble. And someone had a funny comment where they're like, yeah, I got to watch these videos a couple times just to see, like, did I miss something? And it will be that. It'll be, I'll just, I'll go watch a video a second time. I'm like, oh, so he stepped and then dribbled. He so took he a direct step, step and then dribbled, and he, right? He yeah, like, first step, direct step, step whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. And then he pushed the ball to the floor, <laughs> which we call a dribble. Like, it's, it's these things. And so, like, some people, I don't know. Like, Tony, it's such a weird, like, I don't think... I don't think IG basketball trainers are are bad necessarily. I just think the culture's super funny on how like it is a whole branding thing. Like you have to have guys that swear by you and you have to have your own stuff and and I I get it on some level, but it's just funny to me the way these things are are phrased because I look at it and I'm like and some people came out and said like if you're teaching kids it help you know giving them those terms actually helps them learn. I'm like, ah, "Look, I'm not a We've always done it this way, so it should be done this way kind of thing, Tony. But, like, we've been learning basketball for a 100 years, and I never had to hear push dribble. Yeah, you just – I never had to hear push dribble. I was just like, oh, this is how you dribble? Okay. Oh, if you do it more, you get better at it? Oh, okay. Two dribble left, pull up 18 feet. Do it five times. Right. (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not saying we don't need to learn things and they they can't teach us stuff. Like, I'm not saying that. But activate your attack foot and push dribble – like – what is this, Tony? Just go hoop. Why can't it be that? <laughs> oh, man. Listen, the way I grew up, 
Like we went to the corner, we put up 20, then we went to the wing, we put up 20, then we went to the top of the key, we put up 20, then we went to the opposite wing, we put up 20, and we went to the opposite corner where we put up 20. We ain't had no attack dribbles or attack. It was what a minute, attack, attack foot, attack foot, activate your attack foot, do, you know, push activating dribble. attack foot, push like you, dribble. Like you had a crossover, right? And you had an in and out crossover, and I get, but then it's like pull back into a hesitant. And I'm like, all right, man, like, what are we doing? Why are we why are we coming up with these names? Why are we branding this? Well, you just you know what you just get out on the playground. And you just play basketball. How about that? I mean, that's also a great idea. Well, that's a funny thing. I was talking to Dominique Wilkins. This was like yeah, this must be like five years ago for a story. As my dog barks. Yeah, why does your dog always bark? You know what? Every week. You know what it is? No, here it is. Here's what it is. And no, you're right. Every week he's annoying. But there are these two dogs. That are by the the one of the doors for the building. They live in the apartment, like right next to it. And that door, they're so on edge. That door opens constantly, and so they bark. And so I can't hear them barking, but he can because he's a dog. And so then that uh-huh. gets him going. Uh-huh. So I blame the other two dogs. Okay, yeah. okay. That, that's, don't that worry. I mean, good. don't get me wrong. This dog's annoying. I'm plenty of times on his own, but the the during this time. I don't believe it's totally his fault. Because my Charlotte is just like chilling right there. She's sitting down. She's laying down and she's chilling. Uh-huh. And like, maybe it's because she doesn't like me. Because I don't think she very likes me very much. She doesn't pay attention. Charlotte. See, she didn't even, she didn't even look. <laughs> see, this dog is on edge right now. His hair is standing up on the back of his head. I just heard one of the dogs. So he's about to get working again. See, there you go. Oh, um, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Um, but I was talking, I was talking to Dominique Wilkins like five years ago. I don't know if this is going to stop. He's very on edge. Um, and Dominique was talking about how like, when he was coming up, obviously this is a long time ago, but they didn't really, you know, AAU tournaments, like this wasn't a thing, right? Like you just went and you played and these like all these like individual trainer stuff, like it wasn't like, all right, now we need to learn. Like you just kind of learned on the go. Coaches would ter- teach you certain things and then you would go playing games and, and apply it. And now like I think you see so much individual work, but you don't see that actual like playing to learn how to apply this stuff. So I think – Players are more skilled than they've ever been, but I don't know that they necessarily know how to utilize that skill or apply that skill. And so, and I'm not just talking about NBA players; I'm talking about just basketball in general. Like you see, so many like coaches and youth coaches that are just one-on-one work with all these kids and they're learning all these moves and stuff. But I don't know if they know how to apply them. If you know what I mean, right? Well, you know, I think best trainers are the ones that make it simple, correct? Yeah. And the best guys are the guys that can number one, they can put the move out there, and number two, they can demonstrate the move because there are some guys out there that can't demonstrate <laughs> what they're teaching yeah i'm sorry i'm just keeping it real i'm just keeping it one it's okay tony because they'll they'll clip together all them all the clips of them doing the move and making the shot but um, you notice it's not that seamless in terms of the order of stuff but you know the best guys are the ones that can put the move out there and, and teach you in simplest terms and teach you how to apply it in five on five basketball because yeah. there are a ton of there's a ton of stuff out there that you see that you're like, yo, you're not doing none of this in the game, right? Right. You know, so you do your cone work. You know, one of the biggest things that that helped me, I worked with one of the best coaches ever. His name was John Harnett um, out of Philly. Rest in peace. He passed away. And he, re- he ran a place called Gustine Lake. And he's had so many pros over the years. He passed away about 10 years ago. And during his workouts, what he would have us do, and this was a shooting drill, and a lot of people do this, but he'd have us do push and pull. And the drill 
obviously we'd be shooting over a broomstick to simulate arms and to get arc on our shots, but it would be a plus minus system. So for every make you get, you're plus one. For every miss, you're minus two. And if you get to minus 10, well, guess what? You're running sprints. Yep. <laughs> and when I first started working with him, I was, my, I was minus 10 in five shots. Oh, man. T Tony, <laughs> I didn't learn how to shoot until I was like 18. Like... Like I wasn't a good shooter until like eighteen, and then it, and then whatever it clicked. But those kind of drills before that, ooh, I hated that. Oh man, I hated yeah. that. Those minus yeah. twos add up quick. Oh, they they add up. I mean, because you miss two, you're minus four. And yeah. You got to hit four in a row just to get to zero, and you're yeah. doing it over guys with with broomsticks. Yeah. And you're doing it. You're doing it off the catch. You're doing it off the move. You're doing it standstill. I mean, and there's so many different variations. And, the, and you know, the gym is small and it's hot. It's 115 degrees in there. And it's, it's the, to me, it's the simplest stuff that you can do compared to what a lot of these, a lot of the trainers do now. But it was the best thing you can do. Yeah. Well, let me, let me throw out do. two names for you of guys that I think do it right with the training and then applying it to five-on-five -five basketball. Rico Hines, Chris Johnson. Rico Hines is, is Rico Hines a legend. He's tremendous. Legend. But those he's two guys tremendous. like are, are big on Instagram, right? Like their their work gets shown a lot and reappropriated a lot by a lot of accounts. But those are guys where I look at the stuff, I look at the drills, I look at the play of it being activated in actual five on five games. And I'm like, these guys aren't saying, all right, now activate but this, this is and push what they dribble do, that, right? Everything. Right, exactly. Like this especially is what Rico. They do. Especially those Rico. guys. A, number one, Rico was a great player at UCLA in his own right. Right. But number two, Rico, and he's what? Got to be what? Pushing 50, right? Like oh, 50, more than 50 that, plus, right? Yeah. Right? But he gets out there and he works with his guys. Like, he doesn't stand R on the Rico's only 42. I thought Rico Rico's was way older than 42. What? Yeah. Yeah, he looks older than 42. He does, but man. Three, those guys come in, they get their work done, and then they play. Yeah. So there's incentive at the end, right? Like yep. you get your work done and then you play. Like it's it's his workouts to me, like to me, they're like therapeutic. It's yeah. like half working out, half seeing a psychiatrist, <laughs> half getting life skills. <laughs> I mean, my man is like, yo, I love each and every one of you. And it's like Kevin Durant and Pascal Siakam and all those guys. And and there's no there's no there's no star system. The best part about what Rico Hines does, he can coach James Harden as hard as he can coach, you know, some freshman going into UCLA. Yeah. Like, there's no star system. And this is how I knew I was onto something with this tweet. I had a lot of basketball trainers retweeting it, laughing about it. Because they know. They know who I'm talking about. Yeah. They know the ones. The hit dogs are the ones that are hollering. Exactly. Hit dogs are going to holler all the way. Um, all right, Tony. That's going to do it for this episode of Game Notes. Check out Tony's coverage. Got all that Donovan Mitchell stuff coming up on The Athletic. Check that out. Plus, you can uh, check out anything I write. You can check out any of our podcasts. Comment on those podcasts. You can uh, read the legends. Sam Amick, Shams Charania. We've got, who else? we got David Aldridge, Marcus Thompson. All those legends we right got, there. we got everybody. The we got everybody. we got, we got everybody. all the coverage you want. Theathletic.com slash game notes. Get yourself a free trial. Um, and uh, make sure you comment on this podcast. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. All that good stuff. And we will talk to you next time right here on Game Notes on the Athletic Podcast Network.